This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 3rd of January 2024 at home in Wicklow. And it is very simply, very unambiguously, a review of my watching year. So I basically spend the entire episode looking back at my screen time highs and lows from the year so it is largely about the movies i watched last year they weren't all 2023 movies but a lot of them were so i talk about a lot of them i talk about some older movies i watched i talk about movies that i was trying to catch up on from 2022 Uh, i talk a little bit very quickly about tv i watched and also um documentaries so that's it that's what's coming up so look if that's not your thing don't worry about it chill the bones you can come back next week for something different or go back to previous episodes you might want to catch up on the christmas episode where i wrote a story that was gently poking fun at woke politics um or listen to my episode from last week which was a review of bradley cooper's maestro there's loads there's loads go back into the archives there's plenty to to entertain you or divert you or stimulate you but today it's all about the movies and um if that's your bag you're gonna have a good time so let's get to it i'll see you around the corner cheers not gonna change my mind leaving the dream Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out. You're very welcome. Happy New Year. And thank you for pressing play on this particular episode of this particular podcast. How are you? How's the new year going? How are you feeling about what lies ahead? Are you future thinking? Are you stuck in the past? Or are you simply trying to exist in the present moment? It's it's a challenge. It's always a challenge. the The last two episodes of the podcast were a cha- <laughs> were a challenge for me. I was so tired recording each of them, and here I am in the first week of January in twenty twenty four, just with a little bit more space, a little bit more energy a little bit more time around me with which to do this thing that I do. Um, If you are a new listener, welcome. You're particularly welcome. I mean, old listeners, I'm just taking you for granted. (laughs) I'm blasé. I'm complaisant, as the French say. As Peter Bradshaw, the film critic for The Guardian newspaper, he likes to say complaisant instead of complacent and I don't really know why if it's just this pretentious linguistic flourish (laughs) but I always enjoyed it the Guardian used to have um, a movie review show a little video show that they put up on their website and it was great it was really entertaining and then with their shrinking budget um, it was one of the things they cut uh, which was a great great shame because the critics at the guardian they're 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 a good bunch um and peter bradshaw was a uh, chief amongst their among their team but um 
Yes, in any case, if you are new to the clear out, you're very welcome. And what I do here, what I endeavor to do is to engage with the internal life, the interior life, to engage with things that I suspect we all um, find ourselves examining or reflecting on or being troubled by in one way or another. Fundamentally, the the mechanics of trying to make sense of our our lives, trying to make sense of ourselves, trying to push through and make decisions that enable us to to thrive but also looking at the importance of being honest about our 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 baggage our history our our traumas our resentments our failings our our blind spots our blocks whatever it might be um and it's all in in service of of a of a healthy honest examination of what it means to try to live well um and not trying to over curate or over perfect or over present but to do it in uh, in a pretty transparent way and you know i say that and there are places i don't go <laughs> there are places it feels unsafe to go in terms of what i i want to share um but I get pretty close to to total to total openness, um, and it's not, and I I can't emphasize this enough. It's not that I am presenting myself as being so unbelievably fascinating, um, but rather that I use myself as as the guinea pig and trust that I can find things in my own struggle for understanding that are relatable to the listener. So that's pretty much it. And that's why the the subtitle of the podcast is Wellness with Attitude. The attitude part is just calling bullshit on overly curated wellness content. Um, And wellness that seems to be enormously... um, tethered to the aesthetics of wellness and the prettiness of wellness and the nice sounds and nice images of wellness and I have virtually no interest in that I don't buy it I find it incredibly phony I distrust it deeply Um, I just think it doesn't exist uh, fundamentally and to me wellness looks like something else and sounds like something else that I think we recognize when we hear it or come across it or engage with it. It's something that's more authentic because I think we're smarter than that. And I think a lot of online content is it's really just pacifying pablum that uh, sits us down on our bums with a a bottle of, of milk in our mouths. And we just suck, suck, suck like little babies who have been pacified. Um, and I'm really, I've, I, yeah, I, 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 I feel I spend too much time looking at my phone, looking at devices, scrolling, swiping, tapping, clicking. And if I'm, to, if, if I have any resolution this year, I think that'll be one of them to just do that much less. 
and engage in in the real world as much as I do obviously spend time every week doing this podcast and then force myself onto social media platforms to promote this in the most um, rudimentary way and maybe I need to change that if I if I'm serious about trying to grow my audience but um, I'm more concerned with producing an hour of uh, an hour of a show um, that is of interest to whoever might come along so that said this episode is basically going to be my review of my watching year (laughs) because i have a lifelong interest in love of obsession with movies um mostly english language movies and it's not that i don't watch world cinema as it's often categorized but uh, i just find myself watching mostly american and uh you know english irish movies so uh don't judge me too too harshly for that um and it's also because my background is i trained as an actor and so it's always been there it's always been part of my life the watching of the consumption of movies um so i will get to that i will begin my review in in a moment just just quickly a word a word from our sponsors i don't have any sponsors no a word if you listened to the last episode where i discussed in some length and with spoilers bradley cooper's maestro i also mentioned at the top of that episode that i was getting ready to have a big birthday party here at hashtag blessed where we live myself my wife kiara our daughter Maeve, the cats ruby and marlin the dog pepper the chickens i'm gonna struggle to remember the names of the chickens uno bluey bob ross charlotte and bobo there you go i I remembered i'm not i haven't fallen into the, the 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 senility ditch just yet in any case last week i had a big birthday party here for my 50th birthday i turn 50 next week <laughs> oh actually what i'm recording this on wednesday the 3rd of january so i'll be turning 50 in four days time but um, as i mentioned i think last week nobody in the northern hemisphere wants to party in january um so yeah we had a great day and lots of lovely people came and it was yeah it was perfect it was absolutely perfect and just really nice to get a big group of people friends and family members new friends old friends childhood friends friends from different spheres of my life friends of my wife's as well um and we had great food and just uh the 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 the, the feedback (laughs) was just like wow just such lovely vibes such a good atmosphere such lovely people and um what can i say i am i'm grateful that's it you just have to look at that and look around a room and see these different people who've been in your life and they're there to to acknowledge a friendship a relationship a history and i think the appropriate response is just to say thank you 
and uh, it was great. I was exhausted. My wife was exhausted. She's been she'd been sick all Christmas. Our Christmas hasn't been that Christmassy this year because both uh, my wife and daughter have been laid low by illness and are just bouncing back now. My daughter particularly, it's like some transformation happened in the last 48 hours and she is bouncing off the walls and doing her utmost to um, to unhinge me and destroy me and make me crack. And she's doing it with such gleeful wantonness. It's... Um, I'm furious with her and laughing my head off at her at the same time. Um, I'm like, okay, there she is. Um, my daughter's back. And it's just fantastic. And I just feel sorry for her that it's coming with only about a, a third of her Christmas holiday left. But uh, yeah, we'll make the we'll make <laughs> we'll make the most of it. The bounce back. So where to begin with this um yeah, this review of the year. I watch a lot of movies through the year, um, mostly streaming. There were quite a few trips to the cinema this year, which was nice. Um, mostly I've taken in movies, uh, some shows, some documentaries. And 2023, yeah, there were a lot of good movies, um, particularly in the, the second half of the year, I feel. But um, some of the movies I'm going to talk about uh, are not necessarily 2023 20, movies because I watch a lot of old movies as well and sometimes I'm just catching up from the previous year. That's going to be the case this year. There are movies that came out in 2023 that I just didn't get to and um, intend to watch. But um, I'm going to jump around a little bit um, and maybe I'll start with kids' movies because, yeah, we, we, we take in quite a few kids' movies. My daughter has i mean whether it is a direct inheritance at this stage she's 10 she loves her movies um my wife doesn't so much um she used to watch more in the past but my daughter probably has yeah she's definitely been influenced by me um so we, we take in a lot of kids movies and we got to the cinema a few times this year um yesterday in fact we went to see wonka the the new Willy Wonka uh, movie, the Roald Dahl creation from a million years ago. Um, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which was, I think, made in 1971, um, was the original movie made from that book. Um, and I'm just hesitating now. Was it? Is it called Charlie and the Choc Chocolate Factory or is it called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? I think it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. For me, that's still the one to beat. Uh, Gene Wilder, um, with whom I always felt uh, a, an affinity, um, if that's not too arrogant to say so, just because he was red hair and liked being funny um, and silly and wacky and zany. And I thought that was my that was my path as a kid. I thought, yeah, I'm going to be a funny man. I'm going to be a clown. Um, and I just thought Gene Wilder was the man. And I still love his Willy Wonka tinged as it is with this sort of um, unmistakable sadness and I, I almost misanthropy um, and so it was remade I think in 2005 Tim Burton did a, a Willy Wonka movie with Johnny Depp um, dreadful 
Johnny Depp in this, I guess in the second half of Johnny Depp's acting career, he has just become one of the most uninteresting actors in the history of acting. Everything he does, he's just so, he's just so locked in to his performance. His performances, to me, are so dead. Um, they have no life in them. And it's just like a, it's just like a rictus of acting. And Willy Wonka was very much that. He likes to play these very stylized characters, just like his Mad Hatter. Also Tim Burton um, in Alice in Wonderland. Um, just like uh, Whitey Bulger in, um, I can't even think of the name of that movie, the, the, the kind of gangster movie he made a few years ago. Um, just just not interesting and i mean i watched i rewatched donnie brasco earlier this year um which is from the mid 90s with al pacino and johnny depp as the title character no wait is he the, oh for god's sake anyway johnny depp's an undercover cop who infiltrates the mob based on a you know a real person and yeah, he he was just doing much nicer work back then. Al Pacino's performance is absolutely brilliant in that movie. Um, just such an inveterate loser. Uh, and yeah, just a reminder, I think, of Pacino's range as an actor and his lack of vanity as an actor. Um, really really well worth revisiting for his performance um there was another pacino movie i watched another old pacino movie i watched um this year and justice for all from is it the very late 70s or the early 80s um sort of a very a very strange satirical comic drama you know a dramedy with Pacino as a kind of a strung out attorney um, fighting against the the vagaries of the American justice system. Um, Jack Warner as a as a as a judge who you know at, at different stages is in very strange scenarios. At one point, he appears to walk on water after crash landing the helicopter. And at another stage, he's sitting high up on a ledge on the outside of the courtroom building, courthouse building. Inside the courtroom, he fires a gun directly, you know, skywards. And I, I think the 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 metaphor, uh, what we're meant to get from that is that, you know, judges were above the law. Judges were godlike and could play with human fate uh, like gods and the the gunshot skywards was you know they're greater than god they can they can shoot their guns at god um but that is it's a very strange movie it's a very mixed movie and uh, tonally and in the kind of the style of the the performances um and one i would you know, I could, I could, I could only recommend it on the strength of it's a, it's a kind of a curio. It's like, oh yeah, if you haven't seen it, if you want to be a completist, go and check it out. It's, um, yeah, it's just a bit, it's just a bit 
you know, wacky and too varied in tone to to really hold it down. And there are some, you know, there are some kind of darker moments in it. Um, but I guess a young Pacino trying things, you know, flexing his muscles. Um, so, yeah, that was one I watched as well. And Justice for All. But, um, yeah, back to kids movies. So we went to see Wonka with Timothy Chalamet in the title role, directed by Paul King, who did the Paddington movies. The Paddington movies, if you haven't seen them, are were sort of a, a revelation when they came out. They were just so charming and well-judged and tonally consistent and visually great to look at and visually witty. Um, really well-designed and directed movies. Really well cast, uh, with you know, with a great central performance, a central voice performance by Ben Wishaw as as Paddington, um, and they just really work. Um, and Wonka, in my opinion, doesn't on the same level at all. It's a bigger budget. It just feels more contrived. Um, it feels more restricted, and there's a there's a weight to the contrivance of the the story. And, you know, again, an origin story that was never written by Roald Dahl. And Timothy Chalamet is, you know, he's he's fine. He's serviceable. Um, I mean, I'm not his biggest fan. But there's just, there's just something lacking in his interpretation of, of the Willy Wonka character. There's just not enough devilment or mischief or anarchy and I'd be looking to plant I'd, I'd be looking for the seeds um, of the Gene Wilder character in that performance um, and maybe that's I don't know I mean like why do it it's you know it's a musical the songs are okay um, there's some you know Olivia Coleman is in it she's very funny um, Michael Keegan Michael Keegan I was going to say Michael Keegan <laughs> the other half of uh, Key and Peele is that right? I always get those guys' names wrong. Jordan Peele is the director and it's his partner from that sketch show. He's in it. He's quite funny, although his character's journey is not that funny. Compulsive chocolate, a corrupt uh, policeman who's a compulsive chocolate eater and gets bribed by a chocolate cartel to do away with Wonk and he just gets fatter and fatter as the movie progresses. Um, you know, a, a, quite a nice cast of mostly English actors. Olivia Coleman, as I say, very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, I don't know, like these big budget children's movies, they just keep on going more is more and it's not, they need a lighter touch. And for me, it's a, it's a step backwards, um, from the Paddington movies and I wouldn't be recommending it though. My daughter enjoyed it. Her pal enjoyed it. Who we brought my wife seemed to enjoy it. Um, but not great. The We saw The Little Mermaid earlier this year, the live-action Little Mermaid. Again, more of the same. A great central performance by the, the young actress playing Ariel, the mermaid. Just very sort of charming, um, very charming kind of attractive performance. Um, I've forgotten her name. Is it Halle Bailey rather than Halle Berry or Haley Bailey? Anyway, she was great. But that movie is, again, just again punched over the head with all the amazingness and again 
there's um there's something about you know like these movies trying to kind of go yeah let's 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 represent um this new kind of diverse world that we're living in or make up for the lack of diversity in in movies historically and i guess it's hard to it's hard for that to feel organic um so sometimes i get a bit distracted by that but you know of no issue i think yeah great if these were actors who weren't getting work before and now are and they're very very good you know they deserve to be seen they deserve to be out there and that's that's a good thing but the um the stories that are being written are just not that interesting um what else do we see we saw the trolls was it trolls three the most recent trolls movie dreadful um really not good at all just full of tonally weird jokes um allusions to kind of sex and stuff you know what um elemental the pixar movie again not good just kind of derivative of earlier better movies that they've done uh particularly um you know inside out um and also it was um evocative of zootopia um which was looking at this same idea of of sort of not segregation but kind of you know racism or prejudice um in zootopia it was carnivores versus herbivores in elemental it was the elements you know water versus fire in in the case of the main protagonists just a bit muddled even though visually really quite beautiful at times but i know shortly after we saw that movie we watched coco the pixar movie and like the first five minutes of coco are better than all of elemental just the again the the cleverness and the wit of the storytelling the the simplicity and clarity of the storytelling um really really good uh we saw puss in boots puss in boots three the last wish that was really good we saw that in cinema as well and very very good and a really nice dark element to it with puss in boots facing his own mortality and death in the shape of a curved sword wielding wolf um was really really good voiced by voiced by the actor who played how who played <laughs> who played the the head of the, the 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 drug cartel who am i thinking of is it the jackal carlos the jackal am i wrong Werner. Werner. what's his name you know who i'm thinking of anyway he was great um so that was good but and visually really nice some interesting kind of uh, an interesting animation style in that as well but I think the most interesting kids film we saw this year was a Netflix movie called Nymona, um, which brought in a little bit of the let's bring our characters into the modern world. There was a, uh, a protagonist who was gay and a failed sort of elite warrior who had to regain his honor and assisted by a, a shape shifting creature who brought the sort of the, the you know the comic beats but um a pacey lively 
uh, fun kids, you know, animated movie. Um, really, really good. Just had had something about it. Um, just a bit of energy, a bit of life. And, you know, war, it's, you know, war, it's kind of updated gender politics very lightly. Um, and it worked because it was a good story and it just kept it moving. Um, another movie we quite liked that wasn't great but quite enjoyable was Slumberland sort of a dreamscape adventure um, with Jason Momoa as the the sort of guide through the dream world that was quite a lot of fun um, and another one we watched in a similar territory oh, I've gone blank on the name I'd have to come back to you on that if it comes anyway you know they were kids movies that we enjoyed um, well kids movies that we watched not all great other movies that were I was kind of catching up on um, from the previous year. I mean, I watched The Whale, Darren Aronofsky's The Whale earlier this year. I, I, I spent a good bit of an episode talking about it. I didn't rate it at all. I didn't like it at all. I just did not like the, the, the journey of that character uh, played by Brendan Fraser. I just thought it was, um, I don't know. It was just... Uh, you know, look at the fat man. Look at he. Look, he has a heart. He has feelings, and that that seemed to be the the story. You know, this big, you know, obese man with a broken heart has humanity. Um, and I just thought this isn't interesting at all. And it was particularly uninteresting in that that was clear in the character from the very start. Um, so I didn't care for it. Baz Luhrmann's Elvis I came to and I had to turn off. I couldn't keep watching it. I thought it was dreadful. I thought the, the music sequences were great, but otherwise, no, I just it didn't engage me at all. So, no thanks. Um, Damien Chazelle's Babylon, on the other hand, I thought was absolutely extraordinary and gripping. Um, this sort of... Uh, I, I mean, a movie that is a relation of singing in the rain because it's about the kind of the, the 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 end of the silent movie era or you know we go from the peak of the silent movie era in Hollywood to the the coming of sound and the impact that had on the the stars of the silent age and it just featured some really great great performances particularly by Margot Robbie and and Brad Pitt um who um were you know stand-ins for some of the, the you know the, the the great stars of the time but um yeah just just brilliant brilliant and you know one of my favorite scenes of the of the year even though it was a 2022 movie was the attempt to capture um to capture sound uh, the right sound for a scene with Margot Robbie that had everybody just on the verge of <laughs> total, um, you know, collapse, catastrophe, explosion, disintegration. Um, really, really just a great, great scene. Uh, and other great scenes, a great opening sequence, this Hollywood kind of hills or um, outer Hollywood desert mansion hosting a... a an orgy um uh, yeah just an absolute 
you know, decadent, debauched night of excess and pleasure for the, you know, the, the opening kind of sequence of the movie. Um, a dark, dark, scary, nasty, vicious journey into the, the caverns under Hollywood. Um, led by Toby Maguire as a yeah like like a like a cave you know with the appearance of a cave dwelling golem-esque uh gangster uh with notions of buying his way into hollywood movie making yeah and then the the the, the final sequence of that movie this extraordinary um i mean flex is the word that that's used nowadays but this extraordinary you know, kind of surreal sequence where the um, one, you know one of the main protagonists, who's uh, I think he is he Mexican. I've forgotten the actor's name. Like he's kind of our, our witness to everything throughout the movie, and he returns to Hollywood. You know, in later years, after getting away from all the, the excess and the madness, having risen high in the chain, um, but he comes back and he sits down in a movie theater and suddenly this kind of medley of um, clips from the world of movies plays out in front of him, bringing him right up to the modern day. It's, um, you know, if you don't go for it, if you don't go with it, you'll hate it. But if you let it wash over you, um, it's evocative of the Broadway melody in Singing in the Rain. It's also slightly evocative of the end of 2001 Space Odyssey, I thought, just this you know mind-bending uh trip um into other worlds um but audacious from the director uh so that was yeah if you still haven't seen babylon make it your business to check it out um watch that one with a stiff drink <laughs> but it's great um but yeah the the kind of the movies that really stood out for me this year were some of the really big obvious um hits like Oppenheimer which I spoke about on the pod uh earlier you know you know last year when uh, it came out the uh you know the 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 nuclear bomb drama um the first two hours of the movie all about the, the the science the creation the journey to making the bomb and in the last hour this kind of you know tribunal excoriation evisceration of oppenheimer by his enemies um brilliant i think uh and i look forward to watching it again i've only seen it one time but i really really enjoyed it i really enjoyed the robert downey jr performance um i really enjoyed john wick four the you know keanu reeves um uh, action series directed by Chad Stahelski. Uh, just some amazing, amazing action sequences with guns and martial arts and just glorious visuals um, and a brilliant villain in that movie um, played by one of those Skarsgård brothers, Alexander's younger brother, isn't it? He played Loki in The Vikings. Very, very good. Um, is it Bill Skarsgård? Is that his name? He was also, I didn't see it, but he was in, the, wasn't he the clown in the remake of Stephen King's It? I think so. 
But if you want to see a very stylish, dapper villain, uh, <laughs> you know, John Wick 4 was worth the price of admission for that alone. Um, a a favourite of, of ours last year, I took my daughter to see Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, directed by Kelly Freeman Craig. Um, that was the movie version of the, the Judy Bloom novel, a beloved staple of... Um, female coming of age um, a, a book that was written oh was it written in the, the 70s I guess and the movie was just an absolute treat it was just so well directed so sure of its tone such lovely acting performances um, really beautifully uh, designed great performances by the, the, the young women in the cast um, I can't remember the actress who played Margaret, but she's a delight. Great performances by um, Benny Safdie and um, uh, Rachel McAdams and Kathy Bates in particular. Um, just, just a really, really good, uh, you know, family drama, a coming of age story, as I said, and just tonally hit its marks so well um again another one of my favorite scenes of the year would have been in that movie i think the scene where margaret's pal who is the sort of um you know the queen bee uh uber confident um always presenting herself as more mature more advanced more switched on and tuned in than her her peers always kind of gently mocking her peers um including margaret and they're out to dinner in the city and you know a huge plot point of the movie is each of these young girls is waiting to have their their first period and you know it's kind of like come on let's get this done so we can kick on and become more physically mature and get on with you know becoming more successful and confident in our lives and with boys and uh, the stakes couldn't be higher and this girl the queen bee has let on that she has got her period already but she was lying and they're out for dinner with well, with uh, margaret there with this girl and her family um uh, at a restaurant and they the girls go to the bathroom and she's in her cubicle, the queen bee, and she starts to get her her period, her first period, and she is terrified. And again, I can't remember the young actress's name, but she does such a good job. And your heart just breaks for her because the vulnerability um, and the terror and her being exposed as well for being just as just as vulnerable and, and young and afraid and inexperienced as the rest of them. It's it's just a brilliant, brilliant and brilliantly handled scene. Um, really, really well done. Um, so that was an absolute winner. We saw that in the cinema, so that was lovely. Um, what else? Barbie. I didn't speak about Barbie. Um, I was a bit eh <laughs> about Barbie. And I don't know if that's a shocking, uh, it's hardly a shocking position because I don't think when, when Greta Gerwig made Barbie and, and wrote the script with Noah Baumbach, 
I don't think they're thinking 50 year old white men um, that's who we need to get that's our target audience that said I mean I was a huge fan of Greta Gerwig's um, other two movies that she directed Lady Bird and uh, Little Women which I watched again over Christmas and bawled my eyes out um, at all the right moments um, and maybe some of the wrong moments again close to a perfect picture uh, picked, uh, close to a perfect movie I think and I just couldn't see the point of of Barbie even though it was all very wink wink all very meta all very postmodern all very we're in on the joke all very this is what Barbie represented um, let's reclaim this again Margot Robbie um, uh, as Barbie um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, she is lovely to look at. She is, I think she's a really good actress, I suppose. I mean, I haven't seen her do anything that I haven't thought, yeah, she's really good. Um, particularly if I think of I, Tonya. Um, I really, really enjoyed her in Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, and... Um, obviously in Wolf of Wall Street as well she's really funny in that and you know very overtly sexy as well um, I mean she's a striking looking woman and that's you know it's part of her charm but she, she's got something else as an actress as well um, and in a way I don't know I, I, I don't know I just don't know how interesting it was to, I mean you know, you know Barbie it's a comedy I guess Will Ferrell was the funniest thing in it to me. Ryan Gosling was very good uh, when he, when they arrived in the real world and he realised, oh, men have power. That was funny. But I was bored until then and then I was amused. Um, but, you know, whatever. You know, best of luck to it. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, if, you know, if that was Greta Gerwig writing in service of, of girls, of women, of feminism... It's like, well, okay, I, I, I'm getting everything I need from Little Women. I'm I, I, I'm getting plenty from Lady Bird. Um, you know, they're great kind of girl power movies, I think. Um, and Barbie, yeah, I was just a bit like, yeah, I, I was kind of indifferent to it. Um, so there you go. That's my Barbie take. You know, think of it, think of it what you will. Um, past Lives I spoke about. Um, that is the, the the movie about the young Korean kids who were really tight as kids, and then she is a boy and a girl, and she moves to Canada and then to New York, and they reconnect later in life online, and then he goes to New York to see her. She's married. It's this you know relationship drama over time it's about roads not taken um it's about the the spaces people occupy in our in our memories in our hearts in our emotional memories the the, the their their significance their lasting impact um and it's it's just a really beautiful and very romantic 
movie um, with two great central performances um, and you know something about something unfulfilled something that cannot be reciprocated um, but something that's still acknowledged and deeply deeply meaningful to the protagonists um, yeah just really really nice and as as a lot of critics have found the the closing moments of the movie are directed in a really subtly powerful way and it, that that final sequence really it it, it, it really catalyzes the understanding of the entire film and the whole idea of journeying to the past and the present always being a, a stopping point or a staging point on the way to the future. Um, and then it invites us to reflect on one of the key ideas of the movie, um, which really plays with a... I guess a, a Korean cultural belief in the possibility of reincarnation and destiny and fate and who you're meant to be with and whose life uh, you're meant to intersect with. Um, and you just come away from the movie with all those ideas and feelings uh, buzzing around your being. So a great, great movie and one you should make it your business to see if you haven't yet. Um, I spoke about The Killer, uh, the David Fincher movie that he released on Netflix a couple of months ago. Um, and I spoke about how much I enjoyed it and I made an argument for it being one of the, you know, maybe the best comedy of the year with this very funny, underplayed um, comic performance by Michael Fassbender, who continues to be one of the most interesting actors around in my opinion um i spoke about reptile the kind of cop procedural homicide thriller with benicio del toro as the main guy in that and again another brilliant central performance another really interesting face to look at on screen um and an interesting supporting role by Alicia Silverstone in that, which is like, oh my goodness, there's Cher from Clueless. Fascinating. Um, I spoke at length about Killers of the Flower Moon. I think I dedicated a whole episode to that, the Scorsese movie. Um, the Scorsese movie based on real events um, whereby in the kind of, I guess, the 1920s, 1930s, um, American Indians of the Osage Nation came into enormous oil money but were fundamentally um, not allowed to do what they wanted with that wealth but it had to be managed through white stewardship. Uh, one of the darkest movies I've seen in a very long time. Uh, a movie that sort of haunted me instantly and just left me chilled to the bone. Um, 
and yeah, full of sort of, I don't know, just great staging of scenes, beautifully composed scenes, Scorsese, you know, just demonstrating his, his, his mastery of the craft of filmmaking. Um, a very unattractive performance from Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, De Niro's in it, giving one of his better late career performances. Um, the 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 actress who plays uh, you know the main kind of female protagonist. I've just gone blank on her name, Lily. Bloody hell. Anyway, she plays the 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 American Indian that DiCaprio ends up ma- uh, marrying, and she is just brilliant brilliant in the role and holds her own and has this extraordinary uh, quality of stillness and interiority that invites you in with these these eyes uh, in which depths of meaning uh, dwell um, a great great uh, acting performance uh, one of the best of the year I think um, and again, one of my favourite scenes from that movie was just this final scene, the last shot of the movie, um, which is this kind of aerial shot of a ceremonial dance from contemporary uh, Osage um, indigenous people. And I found that you know the most moving part of the film, the 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 demonstration of culture of survival of cultural defiance of the kind of ownership of identity of honoring the past of trying to keep something vital and alive in in the face of a history of dispossession of murder of rape of criminality of horrible um planned extermination um which the movie captures the movie captures it in in a way that is just gut-wrenching um that was my experience watching it anyway um but yeah really really kind of you know a, a great a great cinema achievement i think um what else oh avatar 2 not interested <laughs> so James Cameron's Avatar 2 came out and I just glazed over I just thought you know CGI to the max my wife and daughter went to see it in the cinema they loved it um, I I enjoyed Avatar when it came out in whatever it was late 2009 early 2010 I remember seeing it in the cinema and enjoying it a lot Um. I, I don't know I just it just didn't engage me at all I couldn't I, I just walked away I couldn't keep watching it I was just like yeah whatever um, creatures explosions guns this I, you know this spaceship goes down this person jumps over this exploding thing um, they just looked like cartoon characters I wasn't interested at all Um and it just left me completely cold. Um, I got to see Tar this year. Todd Field's movie about uh, a malign, toxic, 
a hugely successful female conductor played brilliantly by Kate Blanchett. I mean, she doesn't really put in bad performances ever, does she? But Tar, uh, Tar is great, and when you watch it again, knowing, <laughs> knowing how how sort of haunted and dark and twisted she is, it's more enjoyable. And the movie ends with I think one of the great punchlines of any movie. Um, just fantastic, just such a compelling twisty movie um and two of my favorite scenes of, of of movies i saw last year that end sequence that end scene which is as i say the punchline of the movie the punchline of her fate but there's a scene early in the movie where she is giving a sort of a conducting um master class in i think it's juilliard so conservatory with aspiring composers conductors and she just walks head on into woke politics and goes on the uh you know all out attack and destroys um a student who is so triggered and offended and feels transgressed upon by her um unequivocal unequivocally sort of unsympathetic stance where she sort of intellectually rips apart um, the you know the, the 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 very thin end of woke politics, um, where the the prioritizing of safety and of sort of moral superiority completely uh, blocks out the pursuit of art and it i think it's i just i i'd nearly make it prescribed watching for anyone who is unclear about the dangerous end of woke politics and cancel culture um and as i've said you know i don't consider myself in any way iconoclastic i don't consider myself unsympathetic to the 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 genuine kind of suffering of of people who feel they've been shut out or excluded or you know, being the the victims of, of prejudice, of racism, of homophobia, of transphobia, of of anti-Semitism, of of whatever it might be. You know, they're not. You know, I don't have those experiences, and it's not for me to go. That's not true, or that didn't happen. I kind of go, yeah, I believe you. But um, when we all start putting our subjective experience as the you know the the the, the, the kind of the benchmark of what's tolerable um we are in very 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 treacherous territory um and that scene in tar just yeah brilliant and because i'm speaking about tar i have to speak about the movie i spoke about last week uh, bradley cooper's maestro which as i said last week i thoroughly enjoyed i've watched it a third time since last week's episode um visually and hourly um one of the most enjoyable films of the year um an absolute you know an absolutely committed movie like committed performance by bradley cooper and his in, in you know his impersonation his his inhabiting of leonard bernstein um 
I think a great, great acting performance. I think Kerry Mulligan is excellent in it as well. Uh, the the shot composition, the shot composition choices, where he puts the camera, so interesting. Some of the flourishes in the in the storytelling, um, the the soundscape. Um, just I, I just found I find it a beautiful movie, and yeah, I, I I've nothing I've, I I very little to add to what I said last week. Um, I think um, the the um, what was I going to say? The oh yeah, I was thinking. Uh, uh, the only other thing I was going to say about it was. It's interesting that his two movies, so the two movies he's directed, so he, A Star is Born from a few years ago with Lady Kaga, the remake or reinterpretation of the movie that's been made four or five times in the history of Hollywood. Um, and now Maestro. So he's playing these very... you know, Playing these men who are very talented sort of brilliant in their way but very flawed have kind of some deep personal flaws slash demons and he as an actor and as well as a director he's making the choice as well he's portraying them in very um, unambiguous ways with no vanity now I know there's an argument that you can go, well, that's also a type of vanity when actors go full on for the ugly side. And you've heard me say before, if you've listened to the show, that you know I can't stand actors who, are, who always try to be cute, always try to be attractive. Never, never, can never kind of drop the, can never turn off their charm um, function um, because they can't stand the idea of not being liked by the audience. Um, I think that's a very unattractive character, a trait in an actor. It's like, just be real. Just be bloody real. Um, But, you know, Cooper, uh, particularly as the aging Bernstein, one of those later scenes, you know, he's basically like a a sexual predator, um, just enjoying this power and these, (laughs) you know, unapologetically kind of sexualized and, you know, it's 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 kind of repellent, um, but also brilliant. And I, I found, you know, I found like kind of car crash. You know, the whole idea of I can't take my eyes away, and as Jackson Maine, he does that as well. And it just made me think a little bit about Mel Gibson and Mel Gibson's um, directorial um, works. So he. Didn't did I can't remember if he did. I think he did. He directed the man without a face, as the horribly scarred author who befriends and mentors a young, was it Nick Stahl? Again, mid nineties movie, and he went from that to to Braveheart, um, and in Braveheart, of course, that ends with him being hung, drawn, and quartered. Very. Um, very sort of, uh, yeah, well, I was going to say very viscerally, but of course that literally is it. His viscera are pulled out. Um, and then The Passion of the Christ in the the early 2000s. Um, and again, 
okay, he's not on screen, but Jim Caviezel as Christ getting uh, his, you know, his flesh shredded by the most vicious flogging um, by the by the Romans, and you know the weight of the crucifix, um, and it just it just occurred to me last week, you know, when I was th- talking about the movie on on the pod. And thinking about it afterwards, so it's this idea of you know the actors who just want to show you um, how much pain um, that can be in you know they, that they can endure, and how much ugliness they have within them. Um, I mean, Brando had that as well um, in his psyche. I think as a as a performer, um, and particularly as he became bigger. Um, but I'm trying to think what what was the what was the Brando Western One Eyed Jacks is it with Carl Malden and isn't it Brando gets the whipping in that so again it's the you know let me show you what I can endure let me show you how I can suffer it's um it, it's I think it's a particular thing a kind of a, a masochistic vanity that's quite ostentatious um, so. I just found myself wondering, you know, where is Bradley Cooper going to go next um, after those performances and those movies, both of which I rate really, really highly. Um, They both uh, get me in certain places. Um, So, yeah, great stuff, I thought. Um, So one more from this year, uh, one more movie. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it, but... um, Anatomy of a Fall, the French. I guess it's been described as as a as a legal thriller, but it's kind of a, I guess a murder mystery slash courtroom drama slash relationship drama, family drama, and uh, written and directed by Justine Trier and starring Sandra Huller. Um, a really, really interesting movie very sort of very slippery and elusive in a very in a a very kind of um in a very straight way like the you know we're we're we're, we was going this journey with the the main character who's a successful writer who's been accused of um murdering her husband after he he falls to his death in their um, chalet in the Alps. Um, he falls out a window and is found dead on the ground by their son, who is visually impaired. And we just go on the journey of her being investigated and indicted, and then going through a, a murder trial. Um, and we're looking at the French legal system. And we're looking at the nature of of memory and subjectivity and what can be trusted and what can be proved and the the the, the, the three the three standout performances for me were of Sandrine Sandra Huller as the the protagonist um of the the French prosecutor who really goes after her in court. He's like a a very 
um, Sarky, smart, arty, Simon Pegg, but French. Um, is it Antoine Renard? Is it that actor's name? I can't, I'm not sure if I've got that right. And then the young actor who plays the son is, is just brilliant. He's just brilliant as this young kid who's like, I think, 11. Uh, the character is 11. And he just has this almost um, unsettling self-possession and intelligence and and grasp of of the situation um and his his contribution to the trial is 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 really central um but it's yeah it, it it's a, it's a really really interesting movie that i felt just adheres to this kind of through line with um a sort of a cold assuredness so it's not a it's not a movie of you know hysterical highs and lows or big dramatic sweeps and this you heard me moments ago saying you know just just be real don't go cute and Sandra Huller you know I think is just brilliant playing a very believable character and not signposting too much just being really believable as this woman to whom this has happened or um and yeah and maybe she's responsible and that's that that's this kind of ambiguity and this kind of tension and unease that's always kind of bubbling throughout the movie um and yet i found her a sympathetic character but i also found her husband sympathetic in flashback um because you're looking at you know a marriage with history and uh, even though we see some explosive, you know, we see an explosive moment in the history of their marriage um, that is very germane to the story. You know, I, I found myself looking at it and going, yeah, that's but that's coming on the back of many, many years of of struggle, of 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 unhappiness, of of disenchantment. And it just felt so well written and it's so well acted and it's just so believable um so yeah a movie that yeah you you, you kind of you know it, it it's a movie that will reward your your patience it will reward your listening uh and a very a very european movie um where the actors um german and french respectively are, are speaking english um a lot of the time um and you know that's to accommodate the fact that they're you know that they're making a concession to her being german and she wants to speak english as the common language of kind of europeans it's a neutral language um and there's dimensions to that as well in terms of interpretation in terms of what can be understood in terms of representing her truth um and also her character is a is someone who blends reality and fiction and writes um, kind of auto-fictional novels that have been very successful. Um, so yeah, just it, it's 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 a slippery, very grown-up movie, um, and just welcome, just welcome as we kind of we're, we you know we've reached twenty twenty three 
seems to be the kind of the death knell on spandex uh, movies of superhero movies uh, where they sort of lost their purchase on the the popular imagination and a movie like Oppenheimer was one of the biggest grocers of the year Oppenheimer and and Barbie so even though Barbie is not a movie I cared for you know it was an idea it was a um, you know it was an ideas is an ideas movie I guess and has a lot to say about gender roles and patriarchy and um power um you know and it you know it was funny but um not a superhero movie um so yeah anatomy of a fall another one um to to definitely check out if you haven't and a shout out also one last shout out to another 2023 movie which was the the jennifer lawrence i mean sex comedy is how it was presented at no hard feelings um for me an uneven movie with some great moments and again two of my favorite scenes of the year in a, in, in a movie which um was basically a central sequence in the movie and a scene where jennifer lawrence is out with the you know out on a date with this young man whose parents have employed her to uh to seduce basically um and help him come of age sexually because he's a little bit you know neurotic and nerdy and insecure and they're worried about him as he's about to head off to university they want him to be a man of the world that's the that's the premise and she's a she's a young woman herself in need of of a, a financial boost and they promise her a car that's the plot uh, you know the car her you know the car is going to be her payment so they go on this romantic night out and they're in this restaurant and as a as a romantic gesture to her although she kind of cajoles him into it he um he goes to the the piano in the restaurant and plays this uh this great great version of Hall and Oates's uh man eater which um again one of the gags in the movie is he thought the song was about a monster <laughs> a monster that ate men um and he just does this fantastic version of the song and Jennifer Lawrence just has this kind of moment of hearing the lyrics differently and truly for the first time and it's really lovely because again I think Jennifer Lawrence is a really good actress uh, I find her a great actress to watch um, I just like I like the uh, what she brings to her characters she brings an authenticity she brings something gritty and real um, but that that scene in the movie is followed by them having a row and then they they end up at a party uh, of his peers and she kind of crashes the party to find him and she walks into again the woke landscape and starts triggering people with her insensitivity and she's being filmed and it's it's just a great comic sequence um of her going what the hell have i walked into who are these people and everyone treating her like she's 80 years old um even though she's i don't know what in reality eight nine years older than them um but two really really well done scenes um very very funny um apart from that 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 was that was kind of that's kind of the 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 movie wrap-up of you know recent releases there were older movies i looked at william friedkin's sorcerer and 
to live and die in LA, both great. Uh, Paul Schrader's hardcore, George C. Scott trying to track down his daughter who's fled a conservative home life to end up in the porn industry in LA. Um, really kind of, kind of interesting. Um, I rewatched The Talented Mr. Ripley for the first time in a long time, uh, Anthony Mangala's mid-90s movie, which just was a who's who of the best young acting talent of the time. Jude Law, Gwyneth Paltrow, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Matt Damon. What a great movie. Such a good movie. So much better than I remembered. So much darker than I remembered. Matt Damon, so sinister and creepy. Um yeah just excellent so so good it's just a such an enjoyable rewatch um billy budd the the naval drama with homoerotic undertones and overtones featuring the young terence stamp um i revisited that i also looked at last night in soho by edgar wright which also has terence stamp in it and you know that's a, a very um you know, a very interesting movie with a good central performance by by uh, you know by the actress whose name I can't remember as as a girl who's obsessed with the sixties and ends up in London in fashion school, bullied and lonely, but starts visiting sixties London in her dreams and it gets it very dark and turns into sort of a horror thing and you've got Terence Stamp in it and you've got I think Diana one of Diana Riggs last performance performances and, you know this kind of these direct links to 60s London 60s movies um, just lots of lots of nice touches in that movie um, yeah really interesting um, and yeah as usual at Christmas my year ends with me revisiting my Christmas favourites I haven't got through all of them yet it is only the 3rd of January so I've got a few more days to justify watching Christmas movies but yes the aforementioned Little Women weep 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 Um, also The Bishop's Wife and also It's a Wonderful Life Um, what else some of the children's ones Um, Arthur Christmas from Ardman Studios is 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 always good value. We rewatched Elf at one point. I'm so so on Elf, although Will Ferrell is kind of irresistible. Um, yeah, and other ones that I've kind of passed by while my daughter was watching that I don't particularly care for. So um, the shop around the corner is still on my list. Um, I will be watching that. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, that's kind of it. That's kind of it for movies, TV this year. Succession, I mean, last year, 2023, Succession, the last season of that. Beef was very good. Um, Stephen Young uh, was kind of a, a revelation to me in, in, in that show. At war, um, as a embattled um, Korean uh, guy in, 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 in L.A., just not quite pushing through and making a success of his life and coming up against um, Ali Wong as a super successful um, woman from the other side of society and just getting locked into this intense, you know, rage fuel war with her. Um, but again, you know, pretty out there, pretty, pretty extreme, but 
goes on such an interesting journey with those characters um, and some great acting. Uh, really, really good beef. Killing Eve, I finally started to watch. I got through a season and a half of that. Um, Jodie Comer, excellent. Uh, Sandra Oh, really good. Again, tonally a bit funny at times, but good. Watch some of the the kind of the shrink spoof series uh, with Jason Siegel shrinking with Harrison Ford. I always find myself wanting to look at a bit of Harrison Ford. Watch some of that. It was quite good. Uh, the Night Agent. I got through a few episodes of that. Not that interesting in the end. And then documentaries. The Bill Russell documentary was probably my favourite of the year. Um, about one of the first great African-American basketball players and you know civil rights guys and activists. Uh, the Rita Marino documentary about her life and the sexism and the racism she had to put up with and survive. J-Lo's documentary, even though authorised, was very entertaining, half-time. Uh, I think I rewatched The Last Dance, um, the Michael Jordan uh, Netflix series about his career, his highs and lows. The Wham! documentary, the Beckham documentary, the Robbie Williams documentary, uh, all a bit mixed. The Schwarzenegger documentary, also mixed, didn't entirely trust that one. Um, wanted to kind of get under the surface a bit more um, and I think that's it there's probably lots more I mean there were lots of other things but they are um, they're the ones that, that, that stood out um, and you know made the list so um, there you go that's a very it's a very listy uh, episode and I kind of raced through some parts spent more times on others, but um, maybe you uh, saw a lot of the stuff that I saw and feel the same or feel differently. Um, but that was my uh, that was my twenty twenty three in in screen time. <laughs> and if I was a little kid, my parents would be like, "What the hell? Get off that screen! Enough time for bed." Okay, I'm done. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week with something else it might also be a little bit um of this kind of thing but more other areas of my life maybe some personal highs and lows of 2023 maybe a review of that maybe something from the wider world um i'll decide i'm not sure maybe i won't but i knew i was going to do this so um really sorry if you don't like movies this would have been murder um but if you do like movies maybe you enjoy this a lot um, I was happy to, uh, to to revisit all those great things. Do you know what I didn't mention? <laughs> Air, Ben Affleck's movie about inventing, creating Air Jordan and the journey of that shoe and securing the Michael Jordan name. Um, just... If you can separate yourself from the isn't capitalism great, aren't big multi-million dollar corporations great. If you can separate yourself from that part of the narrative and just go on the journey with Matt Damon trying to get that endorsement with Jason Bateman, uh, trying to back him uh, with Ben Affleck as the head of the company. A very funny turn by Ben Affleck to back up his very funny turn in Ridley Scott's The Last Jewel from the previous year um yeah just um a lot of fun a lot of fun just a real slick um 
let's solve this problem movie with very very charming performances from all of the the main actors involved um really really entertaining uh and fun so yeah just remember that at the last minute air okay that is it i am done i am gone you can find me um you can find my sort of uh my trickle <laughs> my trickle of promotional material on social media and also scenes from country life scenes from rural wicklow scenes from the places i like to swim i've been to the sea three times in the last four days and turned away each time so i'm still waiting to have my my first swim of 2024 but it will happen um yeah but otherwise uh instagram and facebook the clear out podcast you'll find me there i'm on youtube as well if you prefer to listen there and the podcast is can be found wherever you listen to podcasts if you like what i do here you can support me you can endorse this thing that i do financially with a contribution from your pocket uh at patreon.com forward slash the clear out and anything you can give me would be really welcome and I'd, I'd receive it gratefully and if you can't afford it don't worry about it spread the love spread the word share a link review the show rate the show all that i'm told is good to uh, boost things okay happy new year happy watching and i will be back soon all the best mind yourselves cheers mm-hmm.